Hey everyone, my name is Martel Mann, and this is the Corporate Ish Podcast, where we have authentic conversations about the Black experience in corporate America and provide a framework to help you advance in your career and climb the corporate ladder. Stay tuned. On today's episode, we'll be talking with Dino Anabogu. He's a technical recruiter for Facebook. He'll talk to us about what that means and what he does on a daily basis and how he got into recruiting. He'll also share some tips about resumes and about networking to help you advance in your career. Hey, everyone. Uh, Welcome back. Uh, Thank you for listening today. I'm just going to get right into it. Um, You probably heard a little bit about him on the intro. I'm going to get into just the conversation with our uh, guest today. I'm Really excited to have him here today. I went to college with uh, this brother. Uh, his name is Dino. And uh, how you doing today, Dino? I'm doing well, man. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm, do- I'm doing good, man. I'm doing great. Uh, so, yeah, let's just get let's just get right into it. Can you uh, introduce yourself and uh, tell the people about yourself and, you know, talk about, you know, what you do for a living and where you're from and, you know, anything else that you feel like sharing with the people today? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Dino, uh, first Nigerian, uh, second um, from Chicago, north side, north suburbs of Chicago, um, but now I live in Atlanta, Georgia, currently working for uh, Facebook, and I'm a recruiter. And I also have a podcast on the side called Taper Top, where we take those barbershop conversations to the podcast form. So it's, it's pretty dope, man. Great, great. Thanks, man. And, sh- and shout out to uh, Taper Talk, a yeah. dope podcast. Check it out and subscribe. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Check it out. Taper Talk, the podcast. My co-host, uh, Cardi, No IG Cardi, and my other co-host, K.O. Boomer, man. We just have some really good conversation uh, from the black male perspective. Dope, man. Dope, dope. Yeah, definitely check that one out. So, so to get a, a little bit uh, back into like what you do. And so you, you're a technical recruiter for Facebook. Uh, can you explain, um, for the people that may not know a little bit about like what your everyday, uh, work looks like, like what, what does a recruiter do? Yeah, absolutely. So my job is I specifically recruit software engineers. So, um, that's front end, back end, full stack engineers, but just in general, as a recruiter, it's my job to go out and find talent to bring to Facebook. So I specifically focus on finding the software engineer talent um, and trying to bring folks over to Facebook. Now, I could be recruiting for sales, um, looking for sales for Facebook or whatever the case may be. But as a recruiter, it's my job to go out, look for people, interview them, have them interview with the team um, and make sure that they're, there's a good fit there and, and move forward. Cool. Cool, man. Yeah. So. So how did how did you get into that? You know, how, uh, you know, like when you were in school or whatever it may be, how did you decide to get into recruiting? Did you know somebody that was in recruiting or did you think to yourself that you that I'm a people person? I just want to kind of get into it or or what was you know, how did you get into that? Yeah, absolutely. So I graduated with the HR degree um, and then when my first internship I had with Target, um, I got a chance to hire for their back to school season. So that was my first experience 
getting a chance to recruit people, right? Um, okay. And it was a quick, it was like a really fast paced job in regards to recruiting. But immediately after college, I went into sales, but um, I had an excellent recruiter who got me into that first job outside of college. And she really walked me through on literally leaving from Edwardsville and moving to Atlanta at the age of 23, right? And from that experience was something that I just never forgot. And it was something that I always wanted to give back because I knew there were a lot of people who never would get that experience as well. So after a while, after I got into the sales job, I just started to shower her some more and just learn a little bit more about the whole recruiting experience and what it was that she was doing. And then from there, I started to research and, and see like, okay, what other recruiting jobs are there? And then I found my first recruiting agency where my sole purpose was to like really recruit and find people. Wow, that's that's dope, man. So it, yeah, that's really cool. It sounds like you was just really into helping people, and that you know that's that's what you wanted to do. And that and I never really thought about uh, recruiting in that way before. That is, you know, helping people find their purpose or find their passion or find a a career that they that they like and that they will enjoy. Uh, yeah. So that's an interesting. Me, but let me not cap though; it is also sales, right? His <laughs> recruiting is sales. Like, that's a good point because you're selling the company. Yeah, yeah. Are you I'm trying to sell this yeah. job to this to this person to bring talent in? So it is low key still sales, and I maybe not even low key sales. Like, yeah, it is. Like just it straight is. up it's sales. Vice, it's vice versa, right? Like I got to sell the the company to the person and the person to the company, right? So mm, okay, it's, it's sales both sided. So would you say that's your that? you know, a little bit of sales experience that you had straight out of college, do you think it helped you in your career as a, as a recruiter? Oh, 1000%. I think some, I went through a really intense like training program in sales uh, with AT&T. It was called the BSLDP. And there were two things that came from that. It was one, it groomed you how to be a sales professional coming out of college um, kind of like backpack to briefcase program. Right. It was like the, it's the, it was the accelerated version of that. But it also taught you how to sell. Um, and it was honestly like a six-month program. And it felt like Edwardsville's finals week every single week for like four <laughs> months. I swear it's one of finals the hardest week, weeks. Man. Like literally finals week where it's like <laughs> Thursday night, you're up all night studying, preparing, right? For man. the final that you have on Friday. And Don't remind like, me. Bro, that program was so crazy. It was like 65% of the people passed the program. So yeah, wow. we started with 10. I think we finished with like four or five maybe in my class. And it taught me how to really sell. And when I just apply that to recruiting and just really listening is the biggest thing, right? Right. Listening to other people's pain points and what they have going on. And you just translate that into recruiting. It's, it's the same thing. Wow. That's Wow, that's incredible, man. And yeah. shout out to you for making it through that program. And that says a lot about you to even, you know, to make it through that program where only six, you said only 65% of people. Uh, oh, yeah. It was, honestly, I'll, I'll tell you exactly how hard it was. Remember uh, MS251? Yeah. <laughs> it, it was like that. It was Statistics, like that. Yeah, week, yeah, yeah. Like that every week. So that level of difficulty, and I'm not lying to you, it was that hard. <laughs> yeah, I, I went to. College to, to the listeners. I went to college with a Dino, so and we was both in the school of business uh, at a Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville. So he's bringing back some uh, some memories here. Uh, MS two fifty one. If anybody's listening, they know that that was one of the toughest classes uh, in the school of business. Um, an interesting point that I thought you brought up too is about how you shadowed um, someone. Like you kind of found somebody that 
really helped you out and you thought, you know, I, I could, I would want to do something like this. This sounds like a really great job that I can help people too. And you latched on to this person. Almost, it sounds like, like a mentor almost in a yeah. sense. Um, and I think that's like really beneficial. I think it's beneficial to, to latch on or to have people in your corner that, you know, that are at places where you want to go or where you want to be. Um, and that, and it sounds like that's what you did. It sounds like you, you know, communicated with this person and got this person in your corner and said, Hey, I want to do what you want, like what you, what you're doing. Can you show me the ropes and can you show me how, uh, to get there? So that's, that's really dope that you were able to do that. It was, it was, and it was, it was something I just was passionate about. It was like, I wanted to do that. Like I was in a sales role and I was not enjoying my sales role, but I was interested in doing what she did. So I would literally work hard in my sales role to be allowed to go shadow her. And then one thing that process actually taught me was like, I was the one who created the initiative. Like I took the initiative myself in my own career in that moment to go shadow her. And then when she was getting ready to leave, they asked her, who do you think would be a good fit for this role? Because I'm in sales and she was in HR, we were in two completely different verticals, two completely different organizations. So when my name gets brought up, it's almost like, uh, yeah, no, that's not happening. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like this person in sales, what are you talking about? He's in sales and he's only been there a year and a half. Like he would never be a good fit for this. And it let me know at that time, well, like, okay, I probably need to remove myself from this situation because it doesn't seem like a place where they're going to allow me to grow in something that I'm good at. But also too, it also let me know like the power of like vouching for someone where it's like, Mm. people are going to ask you questions of like, Hey, do you know someone that would be a good fit for this? Like, and that let me know that that was always going to be a possibility and people would always kind of create rooms if need be, if you're someone who's good or of caliber, you know? Did you always have that in the back of your head um, that, you know, I'm building like, or was it just a, it might've just been a, just a thing of, you know, I'm just going to build this relationship with this person and be kind to this person and, you know, and, and show this person that I'm passionate about this. And then, um, you know, if opportunity presents itself, then opportunity presents itself kind of thing. Um, What would you say? I think for me, it was, it, it kind of fueled me when they told me no. Mm. You know, like it was, it was more so like, okay, so you don't think that I can do this because I've only been in the sales role for a year and a half. And, and granted, I wasn't doing the the greatest in that sales role. Like it wasn't for me, right? Like I I think I was way too young to understand the whole process of what it was that I was actually selling at the time, but I knew I was really good at that. When I would go shadow with her, I would really enjoy that space. I would really enjoy those sorts of conversations because I could easily relate because I was there okay. I was in their shoes, right? Yeah. So being able to provide that same opportunity for them was something that was like, oh, this is a no brainer. Like, I know I could do this. Like, right. And I could talk to them in a way that they would understand. And then when I got into recruiting, plus you had the HR degree too, so I did. <laughs> I don't know if that necessarily gave me taught me much, like. <laughs> but I guess I'm saying that that I'm surprised they told you no because you know you've been shadowing this person, you have an HR degree, and it's like no, like we yeah, don't but that also even give you a chance. That also shows how much our educational system like they don't really care, right? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of that's kind of crazy. 
you would think that would make sense as well too. But at the end of the day, it was just like, yeah, nah, he hasn't been in sales long enough to just jump ship. And it's like, I would have murdered that role for sure. Right. Wow. Yeah. I'm curious, how did you get into sales anyways? Because you were, I mean, you had the internship. I think you said you had the internship at Target in HR. You had the degree in HR and then you ended up in sales at AT AT&T. How did that even happen? So I was always in sales. So my first job ever was at Finish Line as a sales associate. So all of my part-time jobs, I've always found to be easy in sales. And I've always thought it was cool to have a little bonus or commission on top of whatever it is that you do. So when I was in college, I just worked for the cell phone store, you know, because I I love cell phones. Like I was a cell phone nerd. So just slinging phones was easy to me. And it was one day when I was at working at T-Mobile where I closed my first business account. And that to me just like blew my mind or just like such a complex scale. Like it wasn't just like, hey, I need an Android. No, they wanted like, multiple like 25 units and it was huge right. and it was just so in depth and that blew my mind and I was like you know what after college I want to just do business sales like even bigger than this and that's how I got into the AT&T program and stuff like that uh wow. yeah okay but all my jobs in college have oh at Best Buy Mobile was in sales uh working at T-Mobile sales uh, so it made sense to take that path after graduation to get into sales. I I get that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, and it was just like what I had always been used to doing. Right. And it just clicked. But then it was like my degree, which going from like an accounting major to HR degree, like the HR degree was just so easy and it was so natural. Right. When I got the opportunity to kind of bring that back full circle, it was like, this makes makes way more sense for me. Right. It almost sounds like, it's so easy and so natural to you that it probably doesn't even feel like a job to you all the, at least not all the time. You know, it's probably like a certain percentage that feels like a job sometimes, but most of the time you probably enjoy it and yeah. have, and you, and you, you know, are happy and excited to go to work every day. Yeah, it is because a lot of times too, like my conversations have to deal with a lot of people's lives when it's like changing jobs in their life. Right. So I'm able to have these conversations with them because I can understand and put myself in their shoes. So it's just one of those things where it's like, I take my job with me, unfortunately, sometimes where it's like, there's always going to be that conversation of something in your career. And it's like, I kind of have been in a lot of situations. So I understand a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. That's great. So I know you said you work for Facebook um, now. So how did you, I know you wasn't at, always at Facebook before. You was at yeah. Pinterest, right? Before that? Yeah. How did correct. you make that um, tra- transition to Facebook? How did that opportunity come about? Yeah. Honestly, it was it was similar to like what we were talking about earlier before we started recording, where it just started from a conversation. Um, I think most of the jobs that I've actually, I would say like 95% of all the jobs I've ever received started on a conversation. Like I never mm-hmm. really applied, like hit the apply button. And actually got the job. Now I've applied to a thousand jobs. Like I probably applied to more jobs than probably most people. <laughs> really? Wow. Oh, I swear. <laughs> um, I'm sitting probably, honestly. Yeah. Like, I've applied and, and maybe if I'm exaggerating, maybe like six or seven hundred, honestly. Like wow. But I've yeah, I've definitely applied to a lot of jobs, but what it was is just like your your resume just kind of gets lost in a bunch. But when going from Pinterest to Facebook, it was the same thing. Just I had a conversation with someone and I was just talking to them about some of the the feelings that I was going through at Pinterest at the time. 
And, you know, one of the things I can tell him, he was always really genuine. And he just assured me that, you know, you don't have to have those problems if you don't want to. And we started talking more about Facebook and he had sent me a few things of like, wow, that really inspired me of like what they were doing. Um, And after that, I interviewed with them and, and that went well. And it was, it was like a no brainer, man, honestly. Wow. That's yeah. yeah, That's, that's amazing, man. That's, uh, that's really cool that that came about from a conversation. Uh, you, when you, when you say that, was it, was it just a friend that you knew that happened to work at Facebook and y'all just started talking and having a conversation or, or was it a thing like where you sought this person out and was like, Hey, I found you on LinkedIn. I need to, you know, let's have a conversation or how did that come about? Nah, it was crazy. So he actually interviewed me at Pinterest. And when I started, he had just left Pinterest for Facebook. So I remember like I was still kind of like fresh into the game a little bit where like I was still a little confused as to where people were. So I didn't realize that he was actually at Facebook at the time. Mm. And I sent him a message like, hey, man, I just started at Pinterest. Would love to see you here. And he just never got back to me. (laughs) (laughs) And then come to find out like months later, like, oh, man, you're at Facebook now. Like, hey, congrats. Like you know, let's catch up some time. And it was always just like ping each other here and there, I think just to check in and things like that. But one day it was just, I was having a conversation and someone was just like, Hey, you should reach out to him. And I did. His name is Jeremiah, by the way, and just all love. And I, I did. And, and we just had a, a really genuine conversation and everything that he was saying just like made sense. Like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, that shows me the importance of like maintaining those relationships. Like even, oh you know, it's, like he helped you out in the past and you just was hitting him up, you know, saying, hey, I'm at Pinterest now. I love to have lunch, like love to network or, you know, and and that's and that's amazing that you would that just from you taking the initiative and doing that and maintaining and, you know, and putting in that work to maintain that relationship, you was able to now land this role at Facebook, uh, yeah. which sounds like a, you know, a, a great situation and a great opportunity. So that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Our, our network is, is so strong and, and we just have to utilize it more and not be afraid to use it. I think that's like, I said that on our podcast, like one of the things that I don't think we do well in our community is, is how we, put our network to an opportunity mm. and I don't think we do a good jo- a job of that. And I don't think that's always our fault. Like some of that is like systemic, like racism and stuff like that, but yeah, yeah. You know, that crab in a barrel mentality, however that may come about, but I-, I wish we would see the opportunity in our network versus it being a competition, you know? That's um, a, yeah, that's a, that's a re- very interesting point. Can you talk more about what, we may be able to do better because I assume that you talk, as you're talking about like us, like people of color, black and brown people that we don't really use our network, you know, to our our advantage, or we may not even know how to network. Because I know I sometimes struggle with networking. I don't know, yeah. you know, I'm also introverted, and and so it can be even more difficult for me. Uh, but sometimes I don't even know where to start, you know, with that. Yeah. So, you know, what what are some things that we can do better to? Um, you know, to expand, to uh, reach out to our network and expand our network and use our network, I guess, to our to a benefit. Well, one, I think the first thing is just stepping outside of our comfort zone. Um, like when you're networking, you have to be able to do that and just accept the awkwardness that's going to come from it. 
Don't make excuses about it. Just do it. Like you just have to do it. It's always uncomfortable for even those who have been doing it for a long time as well, too. You just kind of have to get over that aspect. Second of all, just like not having pride, right? Not having pride to reach out to someone to just like want to learn more. Like if we can just accept, if we can really be inquisitive enough to just want to understand to better ourselves, we're going to do that, right? But if we're just like, uh, I don't want to reach out to them because I don't want them knowing what I got going on. Well, how else are you going to get it done? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like here's, okay. So here's my thing. Like if I can go call someone and ask them how to do it versus me having to go drive to a library or get on Google or doing research to get some opinions online where I can just ask someone who's actually really gone through it. I'm just going to do that. You know, like I can really ask them about what their actual experience was versus like, depending on what I see online or something of that nature. Right. In certain scenarios. And it's just one of those things where it's like, you need to be able to have that network to rely on. And it's, man, it's so important. So important. And you just have to really step out of your comfort zone to, to really just go out there and do it. And, and start with your your closest friends and also start just like LinkedIn. LinkedIn makes it so easy too. Right. So easy. So easy. Yeah. I think you brought up some really good um, key points there, especially about stepping outside of your comfort zone. I mean, you talk about how you've gotten, you know, your last job just from having conversations and, and looking into your network and talking with people in your network. I mean, honestly, that's that's how it has worked out for me as well with, you know, the last few jobs that I've had is really reaching out to people. It's not just putting my resume in into this black hole. Uh, at least I call it a black hole, like the online job portal uh, with hundreds, sometimes thousands of resumes. And you never know if yours is going to get pulled or not, or you don't know if yours is formatted correctly. Sure. You know, the, the, <laughs> the list goes on. So sometimes, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so sometimes I think like, like, like to your point, stepping outside of your comfort zone, reaching out to somebody in your network, having that yeah. conversation, um, not talking yourself out of it because sometimes, I mean, I get this way too, that sometimes I like in my head, like the voice in my head will talk me out of something of doing something that could probably benefit me or help me. I'll say to myself, you know, I'm not good enough uh, for this job or, you know, they're not going to respond back or, you know, I'm not going to waste my time. Or like you said, I don't want somebody to know what I have going on. Then I can talk myself out of it and, you know, I'll, out of a, you know, blessing or a benefit, you know, uh, or, you know, or my dream job or my next, you know, or a great career move. So, yeah. so I think that's very important. And, um, I think we need to exercise that more often and, you know, make sure that we're, you know, doing it scared if we have to, you know, if we're, if we're good, if we're nervous, you know, or so what, get it over with and, you know, introduce yourself or talk to this person or reach out to this person. You never know what could come out of it. Um, so that's, that's really cool. Um, yeah. And that's a real feeling too, to not feel like you're, you're good enough as well too. Like that's a real feeling. There's a term for it that I was just trying to look up. Um, cause I, I just, I just had a, like a brain pause. And I so almost remember. like imposter, uh, syndrome, yeah. like imposter yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Imposter yeah. 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 That's exactly what it is. Especially um, like, I would say that like, if I applied for a job at Facebook, you know, I would probably think to myself, you know, I already know what the thoughts would be in my head. It's a thousand people applying for this job. And it's yeah. people from it's not just people from this country, but people from all over the globe that are applying for, you know, this job. You know, how, why would they pick me kind of thing? And I think yeah. we need to get over that fear and uh, stop talking ourselves out of this and 
work on, you know, try to overcome this imposter syndrome, um, you know, that you're just as good as they are. You, you have the credentials, you have the experience, you know, you can definitely, uh, you can definitely do it. Cause there's people out there. I've seen it before. It's people with no experience and that would apply for a job. Like it's nothing like, um, and they'll get the job. And it's like, man, I was way qualified than this, than this person. And I, if I would have just applied, I could have got it myself, but sometimes we just don't apply ourselves. They probably didn't even apply. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. They, they probably, probably just didn't. knew somebody. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. typically what happens though. Like not, not typically, um, but a lot of times the best way to get jobs are, are for people to vouch for you. Right. Like right. if they can talk about your experience to someone and it's like, it's the easier, it's the easier call to make. Like, yeah, we know this person is already verified. Like, I can speak to them or they sound like they may be pretty good. Let's at least interview them, right? Like let's at least push them to the front versus you just applying for a position in your resume going down that black hole, like you said, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's it's always beneficial to to have conversations. And, and I will say like people know the best way to get into companies are to have conversations, you know, because mm. yeah. you, you network. That's what networking is. That's how it's always been. That's how everyone's, anyone gets jobs a lot of times. It's, it starts with a conversation, you know, um, yeah. and you can apply. That's definitely a great way to do it. But, you know, a lot of times it's, it's also helpful for you to figure out if it makes sense for you to apply. Right. When right. you're talking to someone about a situation, does it make sense? Does that, is that, does that seem like a culture that you would actually like, you know? Wow, yeah, that's that's interesting, man. That's that's great insight. I I have two questions like that kind of that I have for that. Um one is um you like the, the you said the importance of having someone there to vouch for you. Uh that made me think about references cuz like a lot of times these jobs ask for references and I just want to ask you are one are those are references important, you know, um do companies actually call references and like actually um, you know, try to figure out if if you were good on your last job and so forth. Does that happen? And then my second question to that is about um, you mentioned that you know a lot of people are probably um, getting jobs through who they know and by somebody vouching for them. So my question for that would be: um, Do you think it's better to apply directly? Um, or not, I'm sorry, not, not if it's better to apply directly to your job, but it, is it better just to reach out to somebody on LinkedIn and say, here's my resume, or should that person apply for the job and then reach out to the person? Or, or what do you think the process, like what's the best process for, for something like that? Yeah. Um, so to go back to your first question, which was about, um, oh, shoot, what was it? About the uh, references. About, about the like, references, yeah. yeah. So if a company asks for references, they're probably going to call your references, right? Um, you, it, here's the thing. Like, I'm not, I'm honestly not a big proponent of references because like most times people just put whoever, right? Yeah. Um, now, one thing I will say that- They pick the person that can vouch the best for them. It's not, absolutely, you know, yeah. Sure, right. So most people just pick- whoever they know is going to say great things about them. Right. And that usually gets by. Now I will say there are people, I'm one of those people, unfortunately, like I just like to hire good people, right? Like <laughs> just genuine good people. Like that's, that's what's important. But if I'm in a, if I'm forced to use references, um, I may actually peel the onion back a little bit more. Right. And you better hope that your references can really speak to what it is that mm. you're really saying. That's because, not just a basic thing. Like he's yeah, a good person. You may go into and be like, you may ask the reference 
tell me about how he was on this project or how he was in this situation and things like that. And you can probably tell if that reference really worked with this person or, or not, or yeah. if it's just a friend that you just put down as a reference. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And you, if, if you're a good recruiter, you can kind of pick up on those things and, and see what type of people they're putting down. Because if you've really done these things that you say you're done, there are other people that can vouch for you to say those things. Right. Mm, yeah. Um, and I'm one of those recruiters. Like I'm not going to just ask like, so would you hire him? Like, yeah, of course you would. <laughs> of course you're going to <laughs> that's, say yes. That's, yeah. that's why he put you down, right? Like, that's, typically no one's going to say no. I have seen that happen before. But typically no one's going to say no to those sorts of answers, right? So if you are, if you do have a reference, like, you want to make sure people can really vouch for them because you never want to come across someone who's going to ask more questions. And that's just going to look terrible. Like, that's not going to look good. Right. Okay. So you want to be truthful and honest with your references and make sure you put somebody down that's really, that you really worked with before and can speak to your experience and the type of worker you are. Okay. But honestly, we and the kind of person you are too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree to that. But there's also another side of like, I can see where sometimes references aren't always necessary, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I'm really looking for you to do this job here specifically, you know, and there are certain jobs where I feel like references are needed and there are certain jobs where references aren't needed. So is it, is it ever a time that you just don't call a reference at all? Um, yeah, there are a lot of times where I don't necessarily okay. have to do references um, for certain, for certain roles, for sure. Like, and you should, I don't know, like you should also have a really solid interview process where you can kind of weave that out. You know, right. So you don't have to depend on the reference and use yeah. that as you should already have a good solid idea after the interview process that this person we want to hire this person. And we don't need the references to to make that decision. Um, extra, yeah, because yeah, that's 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 a lot of extra things going on. But I, I understand it. I, I definitely get it as well, too. But I think if you have a really solid um, interview process and, you know, references are like. For example, like I still had to interview for Facebook, but you know, the person who vouched for me almost was like a reference. You know what right. I mean? So yeah. kind of like kind of like the same thing, I, I would say. Hmm. Okay. That's 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 good to hear, man. So that yeah, that was good insight on references because I just never yeah. knew because sometimes I feel like I would reach out to my references. Um you know, I was telling you about the Amazon offer that I that I had and uh with the Amazon offer, they didn't reach out to my references for that. It was just a, uh, they just offered me the job. And after they offered me the job, I reached out to my references and said, hey, did you guys hear anything? They said they never called me. So it was just one of those things, I think, like you said, where the interview spoke for itself and they didn't feel the need to reach out to references, um, which, like you said, as it should be. But uh, the other question, question go ahead. The second question that you have, too, was about like um, where to apply, right? Yeah, how should somebody apply for a job? Because you mentioned that, it sounds like um, actually connecting with people and having those conversations and having somebody vouch for you or refer you. It sounds like the better method, but I wanted to, you know, get that from you to, to, you know, should somebody go to the job portal and apply for the job or should, yeah. or should they just, you know, send their resume to somebody that they know at the company or to the, or to a recruiter or to the hiring manager on LinkedIn or what's the best, you know, what's the best yeah. method for that, for that? I think a lot of times people have to be really realistic, right? And, you know, you talked about earlier, like, wow, this job opens up. It has this many applicants, right? Like, why would they pick me? Well, 
most times, you know, you're going in like an orderly fashion. If you notice on LinkedIn, when you apply for a job, it'll say like, be the first 10 people to apply, right? Or you're the first 50 to apply. Well, that's really attractive because you know your resume is more so at the front. So it's tough as a recruiter sometimes where you have a thousand resumes and one opening. Like I don't need to go to the 998th resume Mm. and see. Now, the crazy thing is I have actually been in roles for myself personally where I would go through a lot of resumes just to continuously see. A lot of times I was really looking for diverse candidates as well, too, to see who's coming mm, through. Okay. And it was it was tough, but it's not something that let me just say in regards of time, like it's very hard to do. And it takes a lot of time out of my day to go through that many resumes, right? Um, and trying to give everybody a chance, right? It can be very very difficult. And not a lot of people just have that sort of time, right? Or are that dedicated to putting in that sort of time. And, and I definitely understand that part as well too. So, but right. in, in, in regards to applying, like you, you want to be strategic about it, right? Like if, if you see if you see a role that's like a thousand people have already applied, well, you know, uh, your resume may <laughs> might be a little <laughs> bit too late. Right. Right. So, yeah. Maybe it's better to reach out to someone, right? Maybe it's better to connect with someone who works there and seeing if there's a way that you can learn more. Um, or yeah, try try going that way. That that could be definitely a, a, another angle or utilizing your network to see, right? Who else do right. you know? And don't be scared to ask about people that you know. Go through your network and see. That's that's Yeah, those are good tips. And that's one thing that I think that I really like about LinkedIn uh, when I, you know, in the past, when I have applied for jobs, I've seen, you know, you can see if you're the top or it says be the first in the top 25 candidates or whatever yeah. it may be. You can yeah, really yeah. see who actually applied for the job. And you also can see um, how long that job posting had had been out there. If it's been out there for three months or something like that, then sometimes you probably would think to yourself, oh, I'm probably not the first candidate or even the first 10 candidates to apply for the job. It's probably hundreds of candidates. Um so I think, yeah, that's I, that's a good uh, point about that. But I, I also thought it was a really good tip to, you know, try to do something different. You know, if if you are the 1,000th applicant for this position, then think about what you can do differently. Do you know somebody there that uh, at the company that you can reach out to? Um, and then, But I also wanted to ask you, what are other ways that candidates can stand out, you know, um, when applying for a job? Uh, is it just that they should reach out to somebody at the company or is there different ways that they can stand out? Is there a certain way that their resume can be, you know, like when you're going through resumes, do you stop at certain ones or do you automatically throw out certain ones? Yeah. I would say you want to make sure that your resume, um, I would say you want to make sure that your resume is very clear and concise, right? Like show the things on there that's important. Um, keep that first because a lot of times if I have to go through a thousand resumes, if I'm going to take the time to go through a thousand resumes, I'm also not going to spend a minute on each resume. So the amount of time that I'm going to spend on a resume is very short. Show me the stuff that's really important that I need to know for this job about you. Don't show me things like don't have at the top of your resume, these, um, scholarships that you want in college that mean nothing to what it is that you're applying for <laughs> right now. Right. Right. Um, also to 
keep some of this, like, don't focus on the subjective parts of your resume, right? Like, if I only have a certain amount of time to read through your resume, I don't want to read that you're a great communicator. I don't want to read that you're a team leader because mm, yeah, that's, that's, that's obvious, who, right? Or yeah. Says who, right? Yeah, 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 I, yeah. That's, I mean, that's how do true. I know yeah. that's even true, right? Like, I'll interview just throwing some buzzwords. Like, so don't yeah. throw any buzzwords on a resume. Okay. Tell me what it is that you do. Show me why you should get get this job, right? Um, Can the part? So if the person says they're a great team leader, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you cut you off there, but. Like if the person says I'm a great team leader, instead of writing team leader on their resume, could they show some kind of um, project or some kind of experience that they had that shows that they are a great team leader? Well, you'll interview and that's how they'll find out you're a great team okay. leader. Okay. You know, like yeah. putting that on your resume, like I, I expect that. Like I'm not going to ask like, hey, are you a team leader? Like you're going to just tell me yes, right? Right. <laughs> if, yeah. if I need you to be a team leader in this role then I'm going to interview you and ask you certain questions or ask you certain scenarios where you can display if you're really a team leader by showing me examples of what you've done in the past. Right. Right. That's how I'll find out if I, if you're really a team leader and, 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 and by you putting like, even same thing with like great, commu- great at communication. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I'm always on time. Like I, I would hope so. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But it's certain things like that. Like you can leave those things off of your resume. Don't just put that on there to to fluff it up or, or make it look longer than what it needs to be. Um, I'm, I'm glad you you are pointing these out because after this episode, I'm going to go and update my resume and, <laughs> and take some of these things off. <laughs> but also, too, don't emphasize so much on your resume. Like think about it. Like a lot of times, like you said, things start with conversations, right? And it gets to a point where like. I'm really looking at what it is that you can do. So if someone comes to me and tells me, hey, I have this great software engineer. He's built, he or she has built these sorts of projects. They've led these sorts of teams. Um, these are the the projects that they built. And this is the scope. Like this was the budget of these projects, right? That to me is really intriguing, right? Mm-hmm. The next thing that I'm going to want to do is talk to that person, I don't want to see their resume. <laughs> I don't need to see their resume at that point, right? Right, right. But I'm eager to talk to this person and learn more. Like at that point, I don't care. I don't even care if the resume is updated. It's not important. It's it's almost like a, a insurance card if you think about it. Like you make sure you have the insurance card, like your car insurance, right? But you, right? If if the officer, there's times where like an officer may not actually ask for your insurance card. Right. Right. Um, it just that, but you better make sure that you have it. Right. Yes, like, yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things like don't emphasize, like people put so much emphasis on um, making sure that their resumes are indented to a certain extent. It has to be lined grammatically, like in certain ways. You have to have your education up here in certain, like, no. That I, doesn't matter. Okay. No, it, it, it honestly doesn't. There's, it, it doesn't. Just make That's sure good. it's clean yeah. and easy to be able to read. You know, like, don't, emphasize so much on your on your your resume emphasize on really trying to get the job networking Hmm. and put more attention there okay so more attention networking but not not as much attention on making sure the format or making sure that each you know that there's a proper spacing and and things like that on a resume that that doesn't matter doesn't matter if the resume is one page i mean I've, i've heard this a lot that people are saying that it shouldn't be more than one page some people say that it's okay if it's more than one page. Does that matter at all? 
like I said, it's more so about the information that's in front of me. If yeah. I see a resume and this person is, is is sharing glaring projects with me and it happens to be four pages and I just continuously keep reading, right? Mm, okay. That's just what it is, right? Right. At the same time, though, a lot of times people will say focus on one page is because I probably don't have time to go past one page, you know? Right. But it's putting the important stuff on your resume on on that first page, right? Because that's the first thing that I see. Me personally, I don't even look at names. I honestly don't. Mm, okay. Yeah, because I'm really just looking for the best people in, in certain jobs, right? Like that's that's really how I, I actually recruit. Like I just look at what it is that you do and, and I keep that focus. Now there are times where I do search for a certain diversity metrics, certain diversity for sure. Um, but initially I'm looking to see, can you do the job first? Like, hmm. okay. Yeah. I, I want to get back to that, uh, diversity metric a little later, but uh, I had a, just some, uh, another question about resumes. Um, so that's interesting that you said all of that about that. It's not, it's really about the content and, and the importance, like the important items or important projects that, you know, important experience that you had that's related to the job, uh, that should go, that should go on the resume. It shouldn't be, you know, anything that doesn't matter. Like you said, your example was some scholarships, like some scholarships that you received in college that doesn't relate to the job at all, yeah. you know, or, or your high school, that was high, what high school you graduated from or high school job that you had, things like that is specifically to what, uh, you know, what job you're applying for now. So should, should a person try to, uh, update their resume for every job that they apply to, for example, to make it cater to that job? Or does that, does that matter? Yeah, I think it just depends. Um, you you really want to make sure that your resume, you know, it, it does cater to the job that you're applying to, right? But you should hopefully, eventually you want to get to the place where it like aligns, right? With what it is that you're trying to target. So um, the things that you do should be in line with what will get you to the next step. Um, and that's kind of what your resume should really display. Cool. Great. Wow. Okay. And, and for like when somebody applies for a job, like at this job portal, um, you know, if they go to facebook.com backslash jobs or whatever, whatever the website is, I don't know what it is, but yeah. they go there and apply for the job and their resume is submitted along with these hundreds, sometimes thousands of, of applicants. Are you going to go through every single resume? I know you say you don't go through every single one, yeah. but how how does it? I guess how does the system determine which resume is going to go to you? Is it based off of you know certain buzzwords in the resume that align with the job, or yeah. how does that work? Honestly, it just depends. Um, I, I've been at companies where it's just like every system is is just different, right? Um, me, if I'm in a role that receives resumes that I have to like review resumes. I've had a, I had a really good manager teach me how to review resumes very quickly, very, very quickly. So there were days where like I could spend three hours, just put my headphones on and I'll go through like 600 applications like wow. really quickly. Yeah. So I, I started to like really just get used to that of any role that I was working on at the time um, where I would have to review applications I would just always set time apart and just kind of just do that. And it was, it was kind of like a Zen during the job for me at some time. Like, okay. um, and it was abnormal. Like it probably wasn't the best of like time. Like I should have been doing other things, but I think for me, I knew that I was always guaranteed to like close my roles. 
And I yeah. did. Like I never had any issues with that. I've always been like a high volume like recruiter and always like just keeping the experience there too at the wow. same time. Yeah. But it, it just depends on the situation. Like I can't say all recruiters are necessarily like that um, or, or how they go about it, but you, you always want to put yourself in, in ways where you could just be different. Right. right. Um, especially when you're looking at situations where there's a large number of pools, well, how else are you separating yourself apart to show like, are you really great? Like you can't sit behind your computer screen and, and, and think that by you applying is like, people should see you like <laughs> right. people that feel the same way. Right. Exactly. You know, there's a thousand people that feel the same way. So what other things are you willing to do to, to, to separate yourself from the rest of the pack? Like, are you actually attending events where like-minded people are going to, or, or are you really just sitting at home and talking about it? You mm. know? Okay. Yeah. So, so for example, instead of me applying through like the Facebook job portal, if I shot you over a message, like an email or found you on LinkedIn and say, hey, I'm interested in this job, I have a better chance. It sounds like what you're saying. Or like if I f- saw you met you at a networking event and then we just happened to meet and, and, and you know, I didn't know that you work for Facebook, but we happened to connect and I had, you know, a good experience. It sounds like you're saying that, you know, based off those networking interactions, I would have a better chance or a greater likelihood to get, you know, to, to um, have my resume looked at compared to, you know, sitting in front of a computer screen and just submitting my resume to the job portal and not putting in any extra work. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I would say pot, you have a, a better chance. I'm not saying like a greater chance, right? Because <laughs> it's, it's just more natural, right? Like it's yeah. just a natural connection. Like, hey, like I remember we met at this so-and-so event. Like, hey, I was interested in just learning more about like, where you are, what company that is, just to see what you have going on. It's just like a, a natural progression of conversation. Like it's not anything outside the norm, you know? Yeah. And I think sometimes people just lose sight of that. Um, and just, we just need to normalize that more in our culture specifically for sure. Right. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing, man. Thank you. For, uh, thank you for those tips, man. I think that was like you offered a lot of insight there and I, I think the listeners would definitely would, would appreciate that. The last question I really had about resumes is um about cover letters. Um some jobs I know some people said no, some people say yes to having a cover letter. I I don't know if they I feel like they're a little dated, you know, out of but I don't know, but but you tell me like is that something that people should really put a lot of effort into and always include with a resume or is it unnecessary? Man, I don't apply to jobs that have resumes. I made that like when I don't apply to jobs. I don't apply to jobs that have re- or um, um, cover letters. Cover letters, yeah, that. yeah. I don't because it's 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 way to rule people out way before they need to, right? Mm, like, you want me yeah. to write you a letter on top of this resume? Like, you, you're really asking for a lot. Like at, at that point in case, like like pick one or the other, right? Like you want me to write this letter about myself or are you going to read a resume? Like which one? Like <laughs> I think there are a lot of other options out there for folks where you can be happy from a work perspective. Now, if it's your dream job, like, man, write the hell out of your cover letter. For me, it's never that serious. Like, because mm, okay. yeah, that, that cover letter is not going to tell, I'm not going to be able to write how well I can do in my job in that cover letter for me personally. I know right. That. Right. My writing skills aren't that, that good. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would think that the interview would speak for 
you know, so if they like the resume, then, you know, let's get into an interview and let me talk about myself instead of putting it in a cover letter. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I get that. I feel that. So, so it sounds like that's a no, uh, at least from your opinion. That, that's, my end. that's just my opinion. <laughs> that's just how I am. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's really a no for me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, good, man. Great, man. Thanks for answering uh, those questions about, you know, about resume tips and things like that. I, you know, I think people are going to get a lot out of that. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, you know, and be able to improve their resumes and go out there, their job, the you know, their dream jobs and and their next career move. Uh, I, I was going to I said I was going to go back to diversity metrics that you talked yeah. about. Yeah. So one question I had about. Um, so I wanted to talk about that. Um and I want to ask you, do you see a lot of people of color applying? I know you say you're a technical recruiter, which, you know, I think you said like engineering and things like IT, you know, things like that. Uh, do you see a lot of people of color applying for those kind of roles? Uh, yeah. Do you get a lot of res- do you get a lot of applicants? Uh, sometimes it, it's it's definitely a lot less in software engineering or more technical roles. Like a lot of us really don't go to school for that. Um, so it's not really the profession that is very common in our space. Um, but anytime I, I see a, a person of, of color as well too, I, I always take the same look and, and just want to make sure that um, you're giving them a chance just because I know how hard it's been as a person of color and I've, I've been overlooked before. So like being overlooked doesn't feel good at all, especially when you feel like you, you could have done that job well. Um, also too, I realize that some people just don't have the greatest skill when it comes to writing resumes. So I actually don't put that much weight on resumes. I do, but at the same time too, like if I see someone from say maybe a certain school, right. Um, and maybe I notice that from that school, um, their resume isn't top tier, right? Like it's from a school yeah. that we normally don't, don't see from. Right. So, that's not going to disqualify them with me, right? If their resume looks like there's a potential there, I'll at least give them a call or have a conversation with them for sure. Um, And I don't know how many other people do that, but that's something for me that's like, because I've been in a lot of people, I've been in different shoes and and, and scenarios like that. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I think that's why I think it's so important for people of color to be in HR and to be the recruiters as well. So they can yeah. have that empathy to say, I'm going to, you know, take a second look at this other person's of color uh, resume and, you know, make sure that I'm not, that I'm giving them a chance because they may not be, have been afforded the same opportunities or the same skills that, you know, their white counterparts may have received. Uh, like you said, to, to the point of, you know, having a, you know, polished resume. So, I mean, I, that's that's great right there, and I, I'm and I think that's great that you you know take that extra step like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's important, man. And I I've just been there. I've I've been in situations where like I know being black, I was just overlooked. Like like mm-hmm. I or I didn't get picked because I was black. Like and that's just what it was. So for me, it's like I, I always try to make sure that I, I get back to the best that I can, especially in the space that I'm in. Right. That's dope, man. I, that's amazing of you. Uh, yeah. One, um, as far as, so 
I know that um, you brought up that it's not a lot of people of color that are getting these type of degrees like software engineering and things like that. Do you, what are your thoughts on why that's the case? Is it, is it just, I know for me, for example, like just a little bit about, about me is that growing up and, you know, getting through high school and then, and eventually saying, okay, I want to go to college. I didn't know what I wanted to major in. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just kind of saw people in my, like in my environment. And I thought, you know, maybe I could do this. Maybe but I just didn't have a lot of role models or I guess a lot of people that went to college uh, in my family. I'm, I'm a first generation uh, college student. So I didn't, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Yeah. And, um, you know, I heard about money, so I'm like, okay, finance. But I, before that, it was, you know, I wanted to be a doctor because I saw doctors on TV, and I was like, okay, I can be, you know, I can be. I was like, I can be a doctor. Then I, you know, failed chemistry, and I was like, okay, well, let me try to do finance because I'm good at math. And um, so I wonder. So for me, I wouldn't even look that look towards software engineering or um, being a developer or you know things or, or getting into coding or things like that. And um, do you think it's lack of exposure in the in like the black and brown community of the reason why people are not pursuing these kind of degrees and then you know subsequently you know applying for these kind of jobs or or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just lack of exposure. Yeah. I think a lot of us just had, like you said, had the role models of, of folks who did these sort of jobs or um, were in these sort of fields, like. I had the pleasure of both of my parents having computer science degrees, right? Oh, both wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, so both my parents were um, very well so educated in that field. I, unfortunately, was just felt like I was never intelligent enough to be actually in that field. So um, the fact that they're software engineers and I just recruit for that field now, like that's the best <laughs> that I can do. <laughs> but at the same time, well, a little bit of a little bit of that rolled off on you to sound like yeah, <laughs> yeah a little bit. And that's crazy how that works. That you end know. up in the same like industry field, but not the same job, but still the same field. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it's. I think I wish we had more people that that were like black and doing those professions to make it seem cool because a lot of those times those are kind of the uncool and unpopular things to do. But looking at it now, like I'm seeing black software engineers who are, you know, under 25 driving Teslas. And I guarantee if you tell a 16 year old that who wants to drive a Tesla 10 years later, like, Oh yeah, I'll just go get the software engineer degree. Like <laughs> you know, but I, I don't think we have enough of that exposure. But hopefully as these companies start to see more of us and we start to get hired more, um, we'll be able to expose that more to the youth of like, you know, even recruiting is 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 a decent job, right? Like it allows you to find out what it is that you maybe want to do in life because you mm, get to recruit yeah. on so many roles. That's right. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. That- now, I agree with you, I, you know, especially on the exposure uh, point as we as more and more people, you know, get hired at these companies like Facebook and Amazon and Google and, and things like that and get into software engineering. And we see more black and brown people that are in these spaces. You know, our, our kids will look up to them or the younger people will look up to them and pursue these jobs. Like you said, seeing somebody driving a Tesla at 25 years old because these these software mm-hmm. engineers do make a lot of money working for these different different kind of especially these uh, companies out west uh, in California um and it just you know everywhere so these tech companies are big um so yeah I definitely feel that and, and definitely having people like in your role that are looking twice at these people of color and 
hiring them because I mean, one thing, and I then we'll move on from this point is uh, I know last year a, a, a CEO of a finance company, uh, a major bank, said that you know the reason why they could not hire or were not hiring a, a meeting diversity goals or hiring enough black people, uh, maybe maybe misquoting, but he said it's because of a lack of a talent pool. Dude, um, man, that was a CEO from Wells Fargo, dude. He was cool. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The CEO from Wells so Fargo, yeah. You know, he was so cool. I'm not even going to say his name. I do know his name, though. But I was so disappointed when I heard that of like, like, really, that's your excuse? Like, there's a lot. No, you just not even, you're not looking. You're not looking right. hard enough. Like, that's all that it is. There's no, no, there's not, no, there's not a lack. You're just not looking hard enough or you're choosing not to look. Like, that was just, Man, I, I looked at him so corny for you. Man, he's a cornball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I I agree, and um, that was terrible. But like, I, I agree, like you said, it's it's taking that extra that second look, or you know, going through that extra, like going through those extra resumes, or making sure that you're looking for those people that are of color, and making sure that you like maybe are reaching out to them and maybe doing that phone screen and seeing that they are, you know, maybe the resume wasn't that great, but maybe they are really a great candidate. So it's, I mean, it's just all about putting in that extra work. The talent is there, um, but you may have to look a little deeper and and go a little further to find that person. Absolutely. I bet like, I hate when people say those sorts of things because I guarantee you, if I interview you and I ask you like 30 questions, you just give me a free range of 30 questions. I guarantee I can point out that you didn't even try to look for diversity. Mm. I mean, and especially at a CEO at that level, like I bet you, if you, you allow me to ask you 30 questions, I may not even need all 30 questions. I really, (laughs) what are are some examples? Like what, like what are some, I don't know. I don't even want to (laughs) or let anyone prepare for that, but (laughs) I don't think there are like, you're telling me if, if you're saying that specifically, I don't think that you you've done enough to to really go out there and look like that. That to me is crazy. There's so many HBCs HBCUs out there with talent. Right. With talent, and you, yeah. tell me you can't find talent. Like stop. Like nah, man. <laughs> I'm not yeah. hearing that. Yeah, I agree 100, percent man. Thank you for uh, sharing your thoughts on that. So, so we're we're gonna wrap it up here. And um, so the last thing I wanted to talk about is just kind of. So I wanted to figure out what. What motivates you? Like, what what gets you out of bed in the morning to to be successful and to be the person that you are? Honestly, just putting other people onto the knowledge that I know of, like, um, seeing other people become successful uh, as well. And I think in our community, we just don't don't get taught the knowledge that we need to be to get into the places we need to be. Um, we're always told just like go to school, get a job. Um, but it's more than that sometimes. Like it's it's more than just like the educational aspect because as a lot of us know, like you go to school, get your education, and still can't get a job, especially if you black or brown. So there are other things that you need in order to do so to get a job. And for me, I've been able to learn these things at such an early age, like through the backpack the briefcase program, you know, back in school and college. Um but at the same time though, like that has to be given back to other people as well. And and that's kind of just what drives me every day too. It's like I'm not really giving the answers to things, but I'm just exposing people to look to think bigger or try other things as well than what you're normally used to. Um and just the knowledge of just learning more is is really just what drives me. I think I think 
what you said was so powerful that you may not be may not necessarily be giving them the the knowledge, but you just may be exposing them to something bigger, something that they may not have known about, you know, previously. And I think that's how we learn so much, and that's how we we grow. Um, and back yeah. and that's back to your point of that's how we get outside of our comfort zone is to be exposed to different and new things and and uh, be able to experience those things and look into those things for ourselves. So I mean, that's 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 amazing, man. That's a, that was a great answer. Uh, the last question I have, have for you is, um, if you had to give, uh, one piece of advice to somebody out there that may be listening and it could be any kind of advice that you want to give, maybe it's somebody who's listening that wants to be an HR recruiter, um, like you or our technical recruiter, or maybe somebody that wants to work at Facebook or just maybe just in general, you know, what kind of, what piece of advice would you give someone out there? Um, I would just say, keep trying, honestly, don't give up. Like legit, just keep trying. And it's going to be frustrating. It's going to be difficult. You're going to be tired, but you just have to keep trying. And as you're trying, just try to learn at the same time too. learn what's not working. Right. Don't keep doing things over and over and over. That doesn't work. Yeah. I that's insanity. I, could, I think that's, that's yeah, the definition of insanity. Yeah. It was insanity for me to apply to a thousand jobs. Like that was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like that was so silly of me. Like that was not the best way for me to have approached things. Um, and it, and, and for me to just blame other people for that, like, yeah, I can sit here and do that. And for sure, it's not necessarily my fault, but at the same time, like, okay, I can sit and complain or I can really just go try and and figure it out and get it. So I I say that to say, just keep trying, don't give up and, and, and do it smarter, you know, think about ways that, that may be more creative when you're doing something, push the limits, look at other ways that may not have been done before, you know? Hmm. That's that's great. I think that's a great, great piece of advice there. (laughs) Really appreciate it, uh, Dino. So we're we're going to wrap up here, man. Thank you for um, joining me today and having this conversation. I think you dropped a lot of gems. Uh, I think the listeners are going to get a lot out of it. I really do appreciate it. Uh, Before we go, did you want to give any shout outs? I know uh, did you want to Probably dropped your podcast again. Yeah, I, uh, I gotta shout the yeah. podcast out, man. Shout out to the Taper Talk podcast. Uh, my guys, Ko Boomin and uh, No IG Cardi. Um, and they can find that anywhere that uh, they can get podcasts, right? Taper Talk. Yeah, okay. yeah we're on Apple Music, Spotify, um, on Anchor as well too. Anywhere that you can listen to a podcast, we're there. Uh, it's dope, man. We we bring the the black barbershop conversations to the podcast form in a in a different way we're coming with angles that people don't really expect like we're really being honest about things like we're not lying we're not telling you the things that what people want you to hear um <laughs> so i think that's the cool thing about it that that i really enjoy yeah it's really good it's a uh, great content on there so definitely uh check that out everybody uh is there anything else you wanted to to mention at all or, Man, or is there any way to people that can reach you are yeah, you have an Instagram or anything? Yep. You can reach me at underscore Sir Nonso. Um Sir Nonso on Twitter. Uh the tape taper talk on, on IG as well too. Um but also too, man, shout out to your wife's page too. That's fire where she's building the house. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like she's she's incredible, mom. man. She's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, hard. Handyman mom. mom. Yeah, she's yeah. uh she's been putting in work with the uh, with the renovations and the do it DIY do it yourself. So yeah, she's, I'm really she's watching that. I'm like in tune, like we gotta hurry this thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's incredible, right. man. Yeah. Thank you, man. So yeah, thank you once again, Dino, for uh, joining us today. And uh thank you everyone for listening. 
Uh, yeah, have a good one. Catch y'all next time. Appreciate it. Thanks.